0: Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. You're listening to the recorded audio of a special Facebook live episode called the Black Actor Conference. To watch the full video version, you can visit the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash BLAQ show Michigan or at BLAQN.org. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast. Thank you for joining us again where we honor and acknowledge black women performers and discuss racial issues within Michigan performing venues. Sorry for the technical difficulties, didn't realize that my microphone was muted. Um, So let's go ahead and introduce our panel, shall we? We have Dinah Tutin. Hold on, (laughs)
1: start
2: video. Seriously? Okay, there I am,
0: hi. Hi, (laughs) Jonathan Jones.
3: Good morning all.
0: Dan Johnson. Oh.
4: Hello, hello everybody. Good to see you.
0: And we have four additional new panelists today. I'm very excited to hear their stories and their perspectives. First off, we have Shardae Davis.
5: Greetings all.
0: Jeffrey Nielsen. Hey everybody. Show us your video, Jeffrey.
1: Oh, there <laughs> I am. Hey everybody.
0: Ryan, Kayla, I love. And last but not least, he joined us on the Q and A last week. Miles, da- uh, Miles, <laughs> Miles Bond.
4: You're about me. to say Miles Davis, weren't
0: you? I sure was. I sure was. I was sure about to put him on celebrity status.
6: <laughs> you can definitely call me Miles Davis. I was named after Miles Davis. What's up,
0: y'all? Hey. It's, so, it's just so funny because I'm looking at Charday's name at the same time I wrote down Miles's name. So yeah so anyway (laughs) thank you all for joining me i totally appreciate this you have no idea and welcome to our new panelists like i really appreciate that you guys have joined us in on this conversation because it's definitely needed where we need you know more than just one perspective more than one story um so let me just reiterate that this conference Is designed to be a safe space for black actors and to share their experience without the consequence of being blackballed or harassed by their white counterparts or ADs. We will not mention names, theaters, productions or the like, but we hope that those that are viewing this will listen, empathize, change and adapt. So, last where we left off, we left off at white actors altering black roles. And we touched on that uh, briefly. Ignore this one, (laughs) ignore this slide. Um, But we touched briefly on when white actors are uh, cast in roles that are specific to a black person. Mm -hmm. Um, So casting white actors as they are in originally black or POC roles is as damaging, if not more than black facing or color coded clothing. Doing all three forms of racist casting continues to spread the message that theaters are not looking out for us, that we don't exist in their eyes, that we are easily replaceable and that we can't speak our truth. So I would like for you guys to um, explain a situation where you knew of, a white actor getting the role that was originally for a Black person or a person of color. And aside from the obvious of hiring BIPOC actors or for for BIPOC roles, what are ways white theater leadership can bring more BIPOCs to their theaters and keep them there and attract more?
1: Well, I've got a story on that one. Please do um, share. I was in a, a production of Aida um at a particular mm-hmm. theater. Um and that's a pretty big cast. Um so we had a lot of diversity at auditions. So one of the um one of the lead care- well, I guess you could call it a principal uh role, but it was a small role. Um, the role of Nahepka Mm. um, was cast by a white actress. And, you know, the whole story of Aida is about race. Um, So um, there were other uh, white actors in the ensemble um, who were also cast as um, Nubians. Um, And I guess, you know, you know sometimes there it's hard to to get a lot of black actors you know um in certain roles especially in community theater um because they aren't getting paid it's it is hard sometimes i get that 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 it's hard to um um to cast which is why they they had um i guess for lack of a better term a um colorblind cast um but there were certainly other black actresses who could sing as good or better as a white actress. Um, there were other black actresses in the ensemble and I could not for the life of me understand why, you know, since they had the resources, it would be different if they didn't, but they had the resources, um, and they chose, you know, a white actress instead. Um, you know, and you know the the show was very successful, um, but it was just I, I can just speak for myself. To me, it it just kind of threw me for a loop because I I it just didn't make sense because they had you know plenty of people that they they had to choose from to cast for that role. But um, you know I think one of the things I think that theaters struggle with, especially white theaters, is that they want to do black shows um, you know, they, they do want to bring, they do want to try something new. They, you know, they want to bring in a different audience, but, um, I think what they, they seem to be afraid of is to, is to commit to doing that consistently. And, um, that's a, that's a problem because when, once you bring these people in and, you know, they're so excited about doing this show and, um, you know, they want to keep new people that come in. These theaters want, you know, new actors and actresses to to be members of their of their theater. Um, but then the following season, you know, there's nothing on the roster that they can identify with. So, you know, they're like, okay, well, let me just move on to the next theater. And then and they don't understand why topic. they can't. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you
0: off. I'm sorry to cut you off. I was going to say that's actually another one of our topics too.
1: Okay, but you know that that's the that's a problem is that um, they they do these types of things and then they wonder why they can't retain diversity, you know, amongst the membership.
6: Um. Wow. Well, yeah. Uh, my story was going to be similar to that one. I don't know if it was the same production, but I did remember seeing a production of Aida. Um, And I remember being blown away by most of the principal cast, and then I just couldn't stay in it because all the Nubians were white. And I think something that would help maybe bring more actors of color, maybe even in community theater or wherever, is just hire more people of color on the creative team and and hire more people Mm -hmm. of color as like directors in those higher roles as well. And I think that would actually, too, make other people who are of color be more comfortable in these spaces to you know, audition for these shows and all that. And then you wouldn't have that problem of, uh, um, of not having the, uh, the correct, um, race or or facial, whatever, or anything like that. It wouldn't be as much of a problem, but you just have to be open to that kind of thing as a theater.
7: I think, um, honestly, I went out for said production that he's talking about. And granted, while I was very much green and needed some help and some guidance, it would have been lovely for someone to have reached out and been like, here's the things that you need to know for next time. And here's the things that can help you on your journey. But I honestly just felt like such a punch in the gut being an actress of color, because I was like, they're giving my 110% and then you gonna cast a bunch of white people to play newbians. That don't that didn't make any sense to me, especially when I finally saw the production. So I think it it really it made me have to take a step back and be like, I don't know if I want to go out and audition for y'all again, because that didn't make any kind of sense to me. But also with that being said, I have a younger friend he's a great little actress actor and everything like that but he also was in a production where the three title characters i don't know if y'all know once on this island but the three title characters are black people and this little boy went out and was cast as one of i forget what they're called but like one of the like deities that helps uh what's her name on her way and i thought that was nuts i'm like how are he? so I, I take it that you, that your friend is white Yes. <laughs> yes yeah and yeah. while it was a great experience for him and I think he loved it and it was a, a children's like themed ones on this island uh I just I, I couldn't even bring myself to go see it because I was like I don't understand how they're gonna have a bunch of white children playing these like they're supposed to be like African gods. I think the, with that
0: show in particular, Once on This Island, what, what gravitates people, particularly white people, that the most about that show is that it's a Caribbean retelling of The Little Mermaid. And, you know, that's the key, that's the key word in that descriptor, Caribbean. So you're going to, it's going to be a story revolving around brown and black people. You know, and that was actually that's the whole premise between the two because you have Daniel, the character who is supposed to be this light-skinned young black man, and then you have Timoon, who's supposed to be a dark-skinned young black woman, and you know, have, having having those two worlds collide is what the big premise of the story is. But Jesus Almighty, I I don't understand the idea of having white actors in Once on this Island.
4: Go ahead. I, I, okay, um, I'm, I'll am i start off with a fun story. Um, oh, when I was a very young theater kid, uh, I was part of a community theater production of Once on this Island, where my sister and I combined, uh, because we are biracial, we're the only Black person involved in any aspect of the production. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> I just want to pick up on something that Ryan had said, because it's something that like to my soul. um, When we're talking about the ways in which black actors, black indigenous uh, people of color, Latinx actors, all of us are excluded from the very beginning. um, Ryan had talked about going out for a production and admitting that she was a younger actor, a greener actor who could have used a little bit of guidance but still was giving it 110%. And yet when it came time to the actual casting process, uh, a white actor was picked for the role instead. Um, One of the things that I've talked about in terms of my own personal experience is that one of the reasons I've been able to do what I've been able to do in theater is because I was given those opportunities to fail and to learn and to be that younger actor who just needs that little bit of guidance to get themselves to the next level. And there are so many of us out there who were like that, but did not get those opportunities, you know? And so then the pool already becomes smaller in terms of people that you're able to even see and then you get into a situation where all of a sudden, oh, we happen to need a black actor and we also want to cast a black actor. Um, Touching back on something that Jeffrey said in terms of colorblind casting, one of the things I tend to find funny is that uh, for a lot of theaters, colorblind casting only tends to work one way, which is to say they find it perfectly acceptable to take a role that is written for a Latinx person or for a black person or for a native person and give it to a white actor, Um, but the reverse, almost never is the case. Um, So, but when you get into those situations where, okay, we need a black person for this role and we're going to look for a black person in this role, um, through no fault of their own other than just not being given the opportunities or being discouraged from pursuing those opportunities, because to be in that situation where you're just starting out and you're still giving it your all And it doesn't matter because the part goes to a white person anyways. I can completely understand not wanting to try again. I can completely understand how over time, if you continue to experience those sort of things, that becomes completely demoralizing. But when you do get in those situations where theaters are looking for black actors in black roles and decide to seek out black actors, so many black actors find themselves at a disadvantage just because they haven't had those chances. But then, people in charge of these theaters who are predominantly white and who don't walk in with the assumption that there is such a thing as discrimination because it's not something that happens to them, happen to see someone who may not present as polished as a white actor and go, oh, well, I guess it's just that the black actors aren't as good. Um, And that is something that I continue to see and I continue to hear about and it continues to break my heart every single time. Just wanted if to If I can say just
1: that. piggyback on, on what Dan just said, I mm-hmm. think when we, when we look at the, the process of casting, what people don't realize from the outside looking in is that it is extremely political. It is extremely co- political, depending on the theater, depending on the show, depending on the director. Um, it's 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 very political, and um, there's so many outside dynamics going on that people just don't realize. And um, that in and of itself is is a problem, especially for for people of color. I, I was listening to a podcast by something similar to this format by one of the Broadway actors um, a few weeks ago and and this person said, you know, white people don't need us to do whatever they want to do on Broadway, but we can't do anything on Broadway without going through them. And so that lets you know there just, you know, how political, how huge the political process of casting a show is and and, and being a person of color. You know, whether it be community theater, professional theater, Broadway, um, it's it's just extremely political.
6: Yeah, there's a definitely a big level of elitism that goes into it as well, um, where people feel entitled. Walking into a theater, feel completely entitled for whatever role, not even thinking about it. I was at an audition for um, In the Heights once before, and there was this white actress that was going for the role of, I believe it was either Nina or Vanessa. uh, And they just felt so entitled and so like they were going to get it, not understanding that that role, it's not for you, it's not for you the show is you know and and that's it's 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 frustrating it's really frustrating and it's frust- well, even more frustrating as Dan said to just go into a situation like that already being defeated by it that sucks it really sucks
0: and kind of to to go on what you were talking about Miles um keeping in with the same thing of not theme of not mentioning shows but there is a um a very well-known black musical, where um, I went to, I, I auditioned for it, and I performed in it. Um, but when I went to the audition, um, <laughs> as I was leaving the audition, there was a a young white woman that came in, and I had to kind of do a double take, like, what What is she doing here? she wasn't part of the choreography team or part of the stage management or crew team or anything like that she was there to audition for this well-known black musical and um and i was i was told by by the person who was the director they said well we couldn't tell her no but obviously she wasn't going to get it um but just just <laughs> just the, just the the absolute audacity where you know that a show such as that is for black actors, it's about black people, it's about their black uh, struggles and their plight, that you would walk yourself into the audition and think that you were going to get it. That's that's just-
4: Well, um, but would they have walked into the audition if they hadn't encountered a similar scenario where that had worked out for them? Yeah, that's true,
0: and in, and I'm grateful of the director that I had because, for one, he listened to us. He he listened to us the entire time of that show, um, and the other part about it was that he respected the fact that a show like this had to be nothing but black people in it, mm. regard period. He 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 was definitely adamant about that, and that's because I asked him. I said, we well, did. Did she audition for the show? He said, "Yep, we couldn't tell her no, but she wasn't going to get it regardless." Um, oh, sorry. But, Do you mind if
4: I ask if um was it was it a, a black director or a white director? White director.
0: Mm. hmm. He was very adamant about that. He wanted to stay true to the actual show. You can't ask for any more than that, you know. And there's nothing wrong with having a um, a white director directing a Black show, so long as you actually listen to your actors. If they're telling you that something just doesn't fit, or if they have to do it in a particular way for the correct message to come across, then directors need to listen. That's key. Um, I had another situation where, um, and this was was actually a positive situation, where, this show is for anybody that knows me. This show is my my guilty pleasure. I love watching this this musical, and the character that I played in it was this eccentric, uh, 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 this eccentric um, helper. You know, it's in a positive light. I'm just gonna say what the name of the show was. It was Rocky Horror Show. Love that show. I absolutely love that show. Um, and I played Riff Raff. So <laughs> I absolutely loved that show. Um, it was one of the first and only shows that I actually went into audition for where I had no clue what the show was about. I just know I wanted to, wanted to be in it. Um, so they cast me as Riff Raff. They loved every bit of it. However, there was a point in the show, mind you, I was the first and only black person that ever got that role with that theater and There was a moment in the show where Dr. Frankenfurter is beating Riff Raff. And (laughs) so Riff Raff dives to the floor. He says, no master, no. When I first read through that script and through that part, it didn't hit me until I physically had to do it. And I was talking to the, uh, the actor that was playing Frankenfurter. And I told him, you know, I hope the audience doesn't see any type of slavery notion connected to this because of who I am. He was scared and mortified. He didn't know what to do. He talked to the uh, the director about it. She came over to me. She was like, "I don't want you to think that it's this at all. You know, she was very nervous, but I knew that that's not what that meant. But the and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because. When you have a uh, a different actor than what is normally for that role is playing this role. Like for me, normally Riff Raff is played by a white man. I am a black woman. Me playing this role completely changes the contextual level of Riff Raff. You know, to a point where the director the main char- the uh, the actor playing the main character they it never occurred to them to even think of it in that sense you know um and it like i said i i knew that it didn't mean that way but i wanted to let them know like hey you know you may have some audience members that may think of it this way just to let you know and to forewarn you um but either way, you know, it, we did it for, for our time and we we did a great job. We had fun with it. Yeah. Diana I think, knows what show I'm talking
4: about. I, I think you brought up something pretty important in that though, is that yes, by your playing Riff Raff, um, there was a recontextualization of that character and that character in the show. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of times people get concerned about But we're not talking about insurmountable problems. We're talking about things that very easily can be solved with discussions and talking with your actors or talking with creative teams or talking with, if you have the opportunity to be in the room with them, talking with a playwright. You know, I have personally done shows where I have been playing a character who originally was Race wasn't specified, but the playwright had been writing for a white person in mind. And then I was playing that character. Well, I've been in situations where the playwright has been in the room and something has been an issue and it was a discussion and it got fixed. You know, things like that, I don't think are automatic excuses to just dismiss out of hand the idea of, you know, casting of people of color or, you know, picking shows and using this idea of color conscious casting or race transcendent casting, you know, the best person for the part gets the part, period. Um, just talk like it's mm-hmm. okay, these, you know, these, these are relatively speaking, easy things to solve.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else anybody else wants to say before we move on?
7: Oh sorry.
0: I've been
4: told I talk a lot so you go ahead.
7: You are all good. Um, No I just remembered one of my very good good girlfriends and since it's nowhere around here I can say it she went out for one of the national tours of Hamilton. Now she is a white girl and I love her. That's my best good good girlfriend but she loves telling this story of how she didn't necessarily get cast because I guess in the beginning of Hamilton's like runner something like this, they had a thing on there that said, kind of like a white actors don't need to come out to this. That's not what we're looking for, and she just thought that that was the heartbreak of her little life. She just for some like she dines out on this story, and I love her. And if she's listening, I-, I love you dearly, but like. I, for me, I was like, well, we only get five shows. Uh, 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 Hello, Dolly is right up the street. What is the problem? I, 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 it was bananas to me because I'm like, I only get to go out for so many things. And this is so uniquely for people of color. Why, unless you're going out for King George, why?
4: Not Hello, Dolly, though. <laughs> Yes, hello, Dolly. Though, <laughs> and also, thank just thank you to anyone who's watching. Thank you. We we all know that Hamilton dropped. Thank you yes. for choosing to spend your yes. time with yes. us. We know
0: that it dropped yeah. at three a.m. this morning, and that you binged it in the middle of your sleep. So we appreciate you watching us tonight,
4: thank today. Thank you, you, all of you. <laughs> okay. Um, um, I did. I do want ahead, to say Dan. one thing real quick. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What can white actors do when they are cast in a black or POC role? This is going to be really hard. And I can give a personal experience I had with it. Turn the part down. All of us mm-hmm. want to work. All of us want to work. But if we're talking about things that are meant for certain people or not meant for certain people, um, turn the part down. I can, I can think of one specific instance uh, where I was offered a role, um, the character wasn't written to be of any particular race or ethnicity, uh, but the character was transgender. And I was asked if I would consider this role. And I said, no, respectfully. I appreciate that you're looking at me for this part. I appreciate that you think I might be able to do this part. I am not a trans person. I cannot speak to that experience. It would be wrong for me to try. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's what I would say. Turn it down. I, yeah. I, you know, I love and respect so many people in the Michigan theater community. None of us wants to be out of work. Every single one of us, if we're offered a part, wants to take the part. That that actually is one of, I think, the easiest things that someone could do to actually show their support for these kinds of issues that we're talking about. If you're mm-hmm. offered a part that is written for a person of color and you happen to be white, turn the part down. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's move on to a, a another topic that I didn't get a chance to actually put on the slide, but it came to me last week as I was... Getting ready for today, and that's um, and it kind of falls along the same lines of uh, microaggression, but also a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And and I refer to this as coded language. So it is a tactic that is used se- in a seemingly non is it is a tactic that uses seemingly non-racist words, but are actually used contextually in a racist way.
5: Mm.
0: So, what do I mean by that? What um, what I've I- experienced in a sh- um, with a show, is that I uh, in the show I was part of the administrative creative team, and there was a a black woman who was very talented, and she came in to audition for this role that is always played by a white woman predominantly and there was another white woman in this audition process that was auditioning for it. Both women were really great. However, the the black woman when I watched her, she actually had stage presence. She was in the character, she was 100% there the entire time. So when it came to, came down to and she she also sang as well. Her her voice was great. So it was the white actress. Um but the way that the that the black actress sang it was very similar to how it has been sung recently. Uh, there was a movie on this musical that was done, and she sang it in the way that was done in that movie. Whereas with the white actress, um, she sang it in in a way that I guess she heard off of the soundtrack, something like that. So um, when it came to came down to deliberating between who we needed for this prominent character, the music director said, well, character A, who was the black actress, she says she she sings it very modern. Whereas with actor B, who was the white actress, she sings it traditionally. So, and she posed the question to the director, do you want modern or do you want traditional? And the director said, I want traditional. This is a clear, clear example of coded language where having a black woman, not just black, but she was dark skinned as well. Having her playing this prominent role when it's normally played by white women and having her play that role is too progressive of a move for this theater. And for their white old audience members. So yeah, mm-hmm. anybody would like to uh,
4: chime in I with mean, any story? But we hear that all the time, don't we? Yes, you know microaggression in in, in so many different ways. Um, you know, could you pull it back? Could you not be quite so spiritual? <laughs> you know, could you could you not be quite so church? or could you not be quite so hood? Or could you mm. be more urban? Could you be more contemporary? You know, would you be able to bring a little hip hop to it? You know how it is in these streets. <laughs> it's the just... way he said that, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no. Are you saying like black it up for you? Is that what you're saying? Cause, cause that is what you're saying. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm an adult, you're an adult. I would appreciate if you at least had the decency to ask what you actually want to ask. Mm -hmm. I would appreciate it more if you just didn't ask in the first place. Um, But yeah, I think we've all experienced those sorts of things.
7: Like I went out for a particular show and it was like the first paid gig I had ever got. So I was just over the moon like, oh, you can, if you ask me to do anything, I'm gonna do whatever you say. Get in there and yes, the part was for, you know, your stereotypical. I go in there, I belt, I riff, I do my little thing asks me beautifully by the way oh thank you Asks me to sang it s-a-n-g instead of sing it and i said oh Oh, that's okay that's what we're doing today (laughs) i mean y'all are paying me so i'm gonna go do it but uh I know you just didn't ask me, to like, I couldn't believe. I was like, okay, that's all right. That's exactly what I'm going to do then, I guess. I'm going to take my little black behind and sang it.
0: <laughs> there was a um, another separate situation where um, I was part of an ensemble. And in the way that this show worked, it was kind of like it had two different ensembles. You had, like, the main ensemble and then the secondary ensemble. I was the secondary ensemble. And... I was in the dressing room and I was practicing going through my lines for the next show that I was getting ready to do. And I heard uh, the main cast, uh, the, the, the main character who was a, a black woman, a dark skinned black woman and a, uh, one of the white actresses who happened to be uh, the AD's kid, grown woman though. And the AD kid was helping the black actress with her wig Now, I meant the way that the dressing room was set up, you had one section for the men, one section for the women. I was in the section for the women with the curtains draped. They didn't know I was in there. So I overheard the AD kid tell the Black actress, you know, the board was trying to figure out what to do with your hair. They weren't sure if to give you a straight wig or a a wig that had a blowout. So because they were trying to figure out what to do based on who was playing your boyfriend they were trying to soften your looks so when i heard this i immediately became irate i poked my head out the curtain and i said soften you mean whiten her looks and i receded back into the curtain silence absolute silence how that that ha- that happened two years ago, that bothers me to this day. And come to find out this AD kid actually auditioned for the role that this black woman got and it's for, and the role is for a black woman. So, it, you know, it really, it really, really bothers me to hear something like that, that you would even, that, another actor would even say that to a Black actor regarding their hair, regarding their features. You know, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about two weeks ago in the first part, where for us as Black women, our hair, our features, our looks, that's for us to worry about, not you, period. We know how to take care of our hair. We know if we have to, put it up, pin curl it, corn roll it, whatever. To put on a wig, that's what we'll do and we'll have it done and taken care of. And that's something that you don't need to worry about.
2: I was in a show back home in New York and the director, uh, the late great Peter still miss you Peter, um, he actually told me there was an audience member who was mad because I was playing the, um, the store owner that because in the movie the store owner was white, and um, you know a black woman shouldn't have been playing, shouldn't have been playing that role. He was like, um, "I cast whom I see fit for the role." He was like, "Don't worry," but he told me he was like, "Don't worry about it." He said you were perfect for the role, and people are just stupid. But yeah, I was, I was just like, really, they were mad because I was playing the store owner. Oh. Okay, eh. but yeah, there's people there they're actually going to be mad because you know if they see a role that if it's in the movies they're played by a, a a white person or whatever, even when in casting with there was a film um the the Hunger Games when it was uh I think Senna was played by. I know it was played by, I think it was Larry Kravitz or whomever, My brain, don't mind my brain, but there were people who were mad about that, you know, and and the, there was the, the young black actress who the little girl. They were mad about that because there were black people in Hunger Games. It's like, and you want to hit them with a all shoe? The or but you really... All huh? the negroes got killed off.
0: All the negroes, all the negroes got killed off. We were, we didn't, we didn't yeah. make it to to the apocalypse.
2: They did, they did, they did. But it's just like I said, they'll they actually come out and be mad and it's like, wait a minute, but it's supposed to be diverse casting. You're supposed to be broad-minded and look at everybody. So now you're gonna have coded language and now you're going to say stuff like actually what you were just saying about softening looks. The audacity, the outright gall, the I mean, the, the, the audacity. <laughs> I, I think my, you know, I know you said so you poked your head out first. So I would have been like, what, wait, did I hear what?
4: You, you know I'm going to break out one of my favorite phrases here. Uh The audacity ahead. of the caucasity. <laughs> the audacity <laughs> of the caucasity.
7: I was so scared to Is say it. Did a- <laughs> I quote you on that? Oh, or please do. Or just—I guess they're
2: not realizing what they, you know, what was said. You know, they're just speaking their mind as to, as to what they were thinking. Or it could have been a subtle dig, maybe I don't know. But I mean, yeah, you just get and you're looking, and it's like, yep. at least me half the time, I'm just like, what?
0: Let's um move on oh. to the next topic.
3: Can I get in there real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, um, it's just, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, as as actors, as artists, um, as theater um, aficionados, we are to reflect the reality of the world in which we live. Um, and the issue that we tend to have um, in Michigan theater and theater in, in this country um, is that the reality of the world that we're reflecting is constantly shifting and changing and moving away from traditional, and that scares the traditionalist because that means there's no roles for me. That means that there's no place for me. Um, if you are now diversifying your cast, where does that leave the older Caucasian uh, man? Um, I, I don't. I don't have a role now. And so um, I don't, I'm, a, I'm afraid to sh- go against the tide or even cast the most prolific person for this role because that means that they'll then be cast in the next role and then the next role and then the next role. And that means that I don't have a role or a role or a role, even to the point where um, if they do up the ante and change it up or they change it back Um, like Dan was saying they don't have um, turning down the role like turning down the role means that I might never get a role again Um, and I'm so afraid. The theater itself is so afraid of going against the tide because my audience is my revenue Um, Mm -hmm. and that is so frightening to not be able to cast the people that have in our minds, held the theater up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is so frightening to them that they don't that they would rather shut out an entire sect of people and their talents and their skills and their abilities rather than to go against the tide and theoretically alienate a potential
4: audience member. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Dan, fix oh, your face first of all. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um because like you, Jonathan, you know, I love you. You know, I love your perspective. Always, always, always. Um, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, the, the thing that I may have been reacting to um, is this idea of traditionalism and that this is the way that we have always done things and we are therefore afraid to alienate the people for whom we have always done things because the people for whom we have always done things have been the people that have supported us. But even within that, you're already excluding so many potential audiences. You're already excluding so many potential artists. You're already excluding so many potential experiences and perspectives and ideas that could, if you were to allow them in, if we're talking about potentially, why looking at, why look at it from a potential negative standpoint of we might be alienating potentially these people versus we might potentially positively be bringing in all of these different other people who could in like time to say, help to lift our theaters up.
3: Let me just reiterate it's not my opinion. It's not what I, I <laughs> I'm not here for it. Um <laughs> these are just the things that I have actually witnessed. And this is of like course. um there was a production I was a part of um and the sh- the show took years for this theater company to actually put together to put up because so many of their creative staff, so many people of their community were feeling like this show in particular would be damaging to the image because this show didn't showcase their traditional imaging. And they had to go outside of their traditional casting to get the cast that was necessary to actually do this show correctly. But what ended up happening, and that goes to your point, um, when the show went up, it became, at that time, the most successful show this company had done to that point. And it opened up a doorway to bring in a whole larger audience. Their old audience didn't leave, it increased. But the fear that the old audience would leave and there's no new audience to come in, or mostly that the new audience won't reflect who they see themselves as. And I think that might be the biggest fear. I need to still see me. And we as people of color are very used to not seeing us.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's like I can I'm on this role because I'm going after this role because I feel like I can tell this story as opposed to that looks like me. Like we have been so rarefied in seeing something that looks like me that we are—it's above me now. Um, so,
5: <laughs> can I can I jump in real quick on traditionalism? Mm. <laughs> so, um, as an actor who is also a dancer, um,
0: Rubik's cube
5: <laughs> in the <laughs> dance world, um, and someone who does. Um, traditional dance, you know, like ballet and jazz, um, there's this this thing when you go to dance auditions that um, most ballet shoes are pink, ballet pink. Um, And so sometimes uh, (laughs) they don't cast you if you are black, you could be a very good black ballet dancer, but because the shoe stands out too much on your foot, and doesn't mix in with the costuming, they, they don't hire you because of that. You could be the best ballet dancer in the world, but that pink ballet shoe doesn't fit you. Um, and I went out for an audition. I actually got cast in one and this whole shoe issue came up. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, there's not any other options, but they're like, well, it's not the pink ballet shoe is not meant to match anyone's color. But, it, but it's more closely to your color than it is to my color. And so now this has created this problem that I didn't create. So why can't we change the, you know, color of the ballet shoes to match, you know, the skin tones or the tights even for that matter. You know, and that's something that's been slowly but surely changing in the dance world is that there are more options for tight color and shoe color. Um, in these uh, dance forms that are traditionally um, housed by you know, many white people. So I just wanted to share that experience with you.
0: Okay, so let's move on to the next topic. And that is character archetypes that white people don't see or want for black actors. So harmful characteristics that are assigned to BIPOC characters accentuate harmful stereotypes that are appeasing to white audiences and have actors limited. Black women are never seen as the love interest. Asian people are never seen outside of the tech wizard or the doctor characteristic. Latinx people are pegged as the Latin lover trope. Black people are always assigned as the help or the laborer of some kind, etc black actors and actors of color are capable of more than the stereotypical tropes written in racist literature so i want you guys to explain a moment where you denied a role but denied a role but offered a stereotypical role instead and how do you think how can theaters break the cycle of casting bipocs in harmful stereotypes
6: it's just about just more more so like humanizing us as well, you know, being able to see outside of their this box that they created that we can only do this one thing, and that's the only thing that we're good at. Um, there were multiple occasions where I felt that I couldn't be seen as this because of the color of my skin, and that's horrible. But there are also there have also been experiences where I've seen myself for a role that's usually. It's usually white and I've gotten it and I've and I've it was one of the most magical experiences ever um and it was believable and people I hope <laughs> enjoyed the the iteration so I don't know it's just like we we're we're no different well we're I'm at a loss for words but um no it's really just it's really just um Just thinking outside the box and not necessarily having to try to think outside the box and just like see what the person provides before you automatically make an assumption and that kind of behavior is like ingrained in us it's learned and it's um it's something that's definitely really hard to snap out of instantly or whatever but it's just i don't know just try to do that it's a great answer and that was kind of wonky but yeah
7: um, I had the, oh go ahead Ryan oh sorry I had the experience of being able to play uh, a mother to four white children now how I approached it was this is gonna be like the Cinderella version like y'all know Brandy's Cinderella right color didn't matter at all so that's how I approached playing it I was like well we just gonna be here and these are my children and that's all you need to know. Come to find out, it wasn't a show that was saw by a whole bunch of people, It was kind of just done in the church basement, what have you. But uh, a lot of my white co-stars, their uh, families came to see it and assumed I was the maid. Uh, and one of my friends felt the need to tell me this in a joking manner, because I guess, you know, she was like, that's not your part, and yada, da-da-da. but it really, it took something away from me because I was doing the absolute best that I could with the material that I was given. I know I needed a little help in like the dance wise part of it but I know I was singing my little heart out. So my thought was why can't it, theater is an escape. You are meant to have a certain uh, you know, disbelief when you go. I don't necessarily have to be the maid. I could just be the person looking after them even if you don't, like why is that the first thing you go to? like I could have just been hell I could have been the fucking babysitter it doesn't matter but the fact that you went to maid first because
0: America is racist
7: yeah I just I it took something away from the performance for me like after hearing that like the last weekend I was kind of just like well I I gotta do the best I can with what I'm given but if everyone's gonna continuously think that I'm the maid in this production when I'm supposed to be the mama
0: that kind of goes back to there. There was an issue, um, not an issue, but there was a um, a businessman or a reporter, some, something of the kind, where he was in his room doing some kind of virtual conference or or, or of some kind, mm-hmm. and the baby walks in, as cute as she can be, and then his wife, who was who was Asian, immediately people thought that that was the baby's caregiver, or nanny, or whatever. Not really correlating that this is somebody that he exchanged vows with,
4: you know. What mm-hmm. mm-hmm. else? I, have, I think. Oh,
1: go ahead. Oh, I I was just going to share. Um, I I had a similar experience. Um, we already mentioned this show. You earlier we we did discuss Little Mermaid, and um, so a few years ago I auditioned at a theater for the part of Sebastian. And it was a reach because the songs were way too high for me. But you know, I went for it. Um, so before the auditions were over, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to get cast in that because, you know, it, like I said, the songs were just way too high for me. But before I left, um, they offered me the part of um, Grimsby, which is the prince's basically his butler. And you know, I didn't I I didn't research the role hadn't tried out Ford or anything, I didn't know anything about it. And, you know, instinctively, because they asked me and I had an audition, I thought, oh, oh yeah. And I didn't know enough about it. And then after I got home and started, you know, doing the research, I was like, mm, I don't think I I don't think I want to do this. And subsequently the following day, I just dropped out. I I turned it down. Um but I guess that's really the answer to the question, and, and Dan mentioned that earlier, is just, it's just, how can theaters break the cycle of casting and harmful stereotypes when we start turning the roles down?
5: hmm
0: And I think that also plays into um, theaters, directors, uh, um, artistic directors being mindful of when they cast people in particular roles. Um, like you like if you have a role for a butler the last person that you should be asking to play that role is a black person exactly like they, you know, and when you, it's
1: a traditionally it's a it's a white male role traditionally right um if that's how it's supposed to be cast so right, immediately it was it was just a, you know somebody had an epiphany you know, right there, when'm I'm, I'm trying I'm auditioning for the role of Sebastian, they get an epiphany. Oh, yeah, he could be Grimsby. So yeah,
0: that, that kind of goes back to like what I was saying before, when you have to be careful when you're when you're casting people, you have to be careful of the con- the context of when you're casting someone for a role. And you have to be careful of the language that's being used because it can mean something completely different when it's in regards to somebody of a different race than what's normally cast in that role, you know. Um,
4: I I will this <laughs> this actually um, doesn't involve a role I did, um, but it does involve an audition that I went on. Um, it was actually for a callback I had gotten for a particular show. Um and so I, in the first place, um uh, I did not get the sides for the actual callback until the day of the callback. Um a couple of hours before the callback, when I already had a callback at another theater. So I wasn't even really given the time to do any kind of research. So I get the sides, I look at the sides. Um there were In the sides was a role for a character who I'm guessing was the romantic lead a young guy basically late 20s to early 30s cool okay I'm gonna guess I'm a guy in my late 20s to early 30s I'm gonna audition for that so um because the email also did not specify who they were bringing me in to audition for so I just make a guess okay I'll audition for the romantic lead which I know is a stretch, but that's how I tend to approach every audition. Um, I get to the theater. I prepare the side with another actor. I come in, I do the side. Everybody in the room on the other side of the table looks genuinely confused Um, as if they can't understand what I just did. And so then they explain, oh, no, 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 no you should have been reading for this part, the part of the friend, which I found out after I left that particular callback was also among other things, doubling a Jamaican waiter. And that the part that I had read for was specifically meant to be played by a white actor only. Oh. Okay.
0: And that's all you can do, right? You know? Or Thank just you. To take the role, you Thank know, you for like your what tie.
6: Jeffrey was saying. Yeah. Like what? How did you? How, how did you respond? Did you like still try to read the side, or did you like just leave? I don't. Because I. Oh,
4: ooh. because here's the thing. I, I. It was sort of like a compounding disaster, because <laughs> I found out in the room that I should have been reading for the friend. And I was like, oh, well, okay, but hey, I'll read for a friend. And then after I left, I found out, oh, that person also doubles the Jamaican waiter. And that's when I went, oh, no wonder I only see one other black person in the room at this callback. Got it. Saw plenty of young white men, only one other black man in the room. Yeah. I don't know whether or not he, that black man got the part, but I mean, I only saw two there and I didn't get it.
3: <laughs> Is anybody else concerned that one of the many white guys got cast as the person that was doubling as the Jamaican? Wait, say that again. I have a concern that in that show there was, a cause it was just Dan and the other black guy, but there was a lot of white guys. Did one of the other white guys get cast as the friend Who doubles as the Jamaican
6: girl I hope not
7: (laughs) (laughs) okay I got one more story and then I'm gonna be quiet but I just realized what the question was I (laughs) and this is one I really wanted to say on here just in case there's some people watching who might know what what I'm talking about so earlier this year I accepted a role playing a maid which you know you gotta work, you do what you gotta do. I had never done a straight play before. So I approached it as an acting opportunity. I was like, this is sharpen up my skills. Um, Turns out it was very uh, heavy and stereotypical, which I was like, okay, I'm just coming to terms with this. This will be okay. This is just a part of your acting journey. It's fine. So I go in and I approach it that way and I do it. I'm doing all my stuff and I have actually a discussion with the director about how I wanted to approach playing it because I felt so uncomfortable and I was like okay I'm gonna go have this conversation I don't want a player like Hattie McDaniels from Gone with the Wind I see where you're trying to go with this and that's honestly exactly what he asks of me And on top of this, the kicker is not even that part. I was like, I was still okay with playing this role and doing this. I was like, I'm gonna give them what they want and be done with it. When we get to costuming and starting to do that whole situation, uh, it is brought to my attention that I need to try my hair scarf in a certain way. And now I'm like, okay, I, I've been tying my hair scarf for f- uh, 22 years now. I don't think I need anybody's help with that particular situation. So this one costumer, i you know, this wasn't the actual costumer, this was their helper, showed me a picture of an Aunt Jemima-like figure with the smile on her face, pla- like I posted this in one of the groups so y'all can go find it somewhere. But with like the, you know, like how they had a minstrel shows, uh, the great big smile on her face with her hair tied up, talking about let's make some pancakes. And he goes, that's exactly how you should be tying your hair scarf. And God, I- Shut up.
6: Burn so, the whole show at that point. Burn it all down.
7: I'll tell you who it is after we get off of here. because I Please, wanna, please. That messy that, individual. But- this is a thing that happened and when the the nuttiest thing to me was when I posted it on this page because I'm in um the Black Undergraduate Theater Collective I don't know if y'all know this group but I'm in there and so I posted it on there like I just need to vent before I go up in here and I fucking quit so I posted it and the magic of the internet, it gets around and it gets around and it finally gets back to the creative team that I am none too happy with the situation. So they let me know. And then this white dude who showed me the picture comes up to me telling me his, I uh, shoulda, coulda, is his, I'm so sorry that this happened. I would have never, da, 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 I'm not a racist, yeah, da, 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 all that good stuff. I'm like, fine, sure, whatever. I'm not trying to be a diva or nothing. I just really had to vent because what you just showed me last night was completely and utterly unacceptable and of course I'm by myself in the room with this man when he shows me this picture so mm-hmm. when, when I finally you know tell the rest of the cast what happened they're like what That at him he's great no
0: no I think cut you're too. overreacting
7: my no <laughs> it's insane no. cut to no. a week later I had done the thing that he <laughs> asked me to do I come out on stage And one of the production staff was like, oh, you gotta let Ryan know to fix our rag." Shut up. And (laughs) our director's like, no, we had a conversation about it. You're not allowed to say it like that. And I'm like, why is this a whole big thing? Like that? You're not supposed to say that. I'm like, how is this, what? Like common sense would say to me, hey, we had an issue with being the only black actor in the play, we had an issue with the girl. So how about everybody shut the fuck up? That should have been, when the director found out, he should have notified everybody that y'all need to leave me alone about this. Cause A, and the comparisons to Mammy were insane. I would, I will never, <laughs> never take a role like that ever again in my life. I I, I was at a, I came home, to my boyfriend that day crying. I was so frustrated and so upset and couldn't believe that I had taken this part and done this to myself. And I'm not one to give up on a thing. So I wasn't just gonna like, it was like a week before the show happened. So I'm not just gonna quit. I'm gonna finish out what I set out to do, but... And then he just continued, the the man who showed me the picture just continued to try to be friends with me and I was like, I, I can't talk to you. I can't be around you unless there is somebody present. I really just, you did. And it's like, they didn't even acknowledge it. He was kind of just like, oh, that's, that's cool. Like, I'm so sorry that that happened and I would have never done this to you, yada, But you did like acknowledge the fact that you did a very shitty thing and that's the end of it. Charde, do you have a story?
5: Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, So I went out for an audition for uh, a show. um, And I went out for a particular role. And um, when it came down to narrowing down the field, there were two of us, me um, and another girl who was white. so this was a musical, so acting, singing and dancing should, uh, you know, be happening.
3: <laughs> so, uh, uh,
5: so when uh, when it came down to getting cast, I did not get cast in this role. Um, and <laughs> uh, the other girl who I was uh, um, up against in this, this part, she got the role. Um, now, mind you, I didn't, I had never worked with this director before, but I had friends who had. And they expressed like he is like a stickler for doing musicals and he wants all three to be done exceptionally well you know so um i've worked very hard to be pretty good at all three things um and i was in the room auditioning with this other actor this white actress and she couldn't dance like not at all like her technique was not there her timing was not there when it came down to it she gets cast so I was confused right um so turns out I got cast in the ensemble right which was fine
0: stop with your cup
5: (laughs) sorry Uh, okay um but um what was I saying oh so yeah I got cast in the ensemble um and (laughs) other people that had auditioned with me they're like this is, this doesn't add up, that things are adding up how she got the role and you didn't get the role. Um, And so I had some people that were on the casting uh, committee at this place and they were like, no, it just, they cast her because she looked the part, right? You know, and this role is traditionally played by a white female character. um, And it's like the princess or, you know, the maiden character so the director couldn't necessarily see me as a princess character um and (laughs) so i turned down being in the ensemble um but i did stay on to work as tech so i ended up being the stage manager for the show Um, and at one point in time the lead actress that got this role got really sick now mind you i know the entire show in and out they actually went out and got another person to be her stand-in, mm. and, I, and here I am. And I'm just like, and the, and the really crappy thing about it is that the person they brought in as the stand-in was a good friend of mine. So she's like, why didn't they ask you to do it? I know you know this show. And I'm like, because I'm not princess material. So yeah, so yeah, that's, that's great. Love mm. that. <sighs> um
0: anybody else was have anything friend, else they want to say
5: was your friend a white girl yes yes
4: <laughs> and and yet like the the thing that i would like to point out is your professionalism and not just deciding to kill the light board on them at every single performance
5: uh, <laughs> i wanted to sometimes because i was just i was and everyone in the that got cast was like "Charday, you should be playing this role like this role is meant for you but this director could not envision me. And I actually had a conversation with him about it because a lot of the other cast members brought this up to him. And he pretty much said, "I, I can't envision you as this role. Like I can't see you as like this soft maiden princess role. And I was like, okay. He said that directly to your face? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm like, I don't understand why you can't see that. You know, it's just like, you know, it's so out of, some people's minds to like that other people can be princess roles or the love interest and things like that. And it's, it's mind boggling to me.
0: What exactly did he mean by, he couldn't uh, picture you being soft?
5: I guess I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. I mean, the girl who got cast, who I'm also now friends with, she's a tall, very slender white girl. And I guess that's what he envisions as Disney princess is a tall, very slender white girl with no curves. White, lithe,
4: and lovely, yes.
5: (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, like duly noted. Um, But you know, Mm -hmm. it was an interesting time.
0: You know, um, I have have a story, but it doesn't necessarily play on race, but the physical features still. Um, In the same show that that I was part of the administrative creative team for, the the director and the president were uh, given the opportunity to see uh, a couple of video auditions from people that couldn't make it for the show. So the main character that they wanted was like, you know, of course, like this big main character, everybody wanted to play this part. And one of the auditioners was a plus sized male. And based on the video, he sounded great. He was fantastic. Um, And we were trying to figure out when can we get him in. But the, 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 uh, the president and the director both did not want him to play this role because he had a belly. They did not envision this person to play this main character because he had a gut. And they themselves had guts, like guts. Um, and then another person that auditioned for that same role was an older gentleman, um, and they 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 didn't want to cast him as it because he was too old. But he would he he had stage presence. He had um, a great voice. They ended up casting this person that that had a great voice, but no stage presence. None at all. Like a, a, a board of wood had more stage presence than he did. So you know, it, it's really unfortunate <laughs> in, in in situations like Chardes and and Ryan's and in other many other situations like that, where physical features and then just just our features as Black people or BIPoCs actors. Where these, where these white theaters and uh, directors and ADs just can't envision us in
4: those roles. Well, I'm going to go a little bit farther than unfortunate. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Um, it, um, and I know that we're laughing and we're joking a lot and we're having a good time talking about all of this, but think about the utter dehumanization mm-hmm. at the root of all of this. Mm -hmm. The utter erasure of a person's complete identity, the erasure, and not only the erasure, but also the expectation that you will be put in these constantly challenging situations in which you are constantly expected to perform how someone else sees you Mm
5: -hmm.
4: if you want to stay working. I, I can't even begin to imagine being in ryan's shoes and still going out and performing every single night
7: it was hard y'all but you know i <laughs>
4: mean but that takes a, a
0: complete level of professionalism mm-hmm. that you with some people you
4: just can't find and know? that you were never granted exactly you are never given that level of professionalism how dare someone how dare how dare anyone the audacity of the, the audacity. I'm telling you I'm telling you let's move on yes oh um, please I'm I'm a little <laughs> heated admittedly
0: all right the next topic pre-scheduled seasons that are not black actor friendly when theaters post their seasons especially a season with extremely popular shows they always post shows that have had white casts in addition white theaters aren't even looking at shows that are centered around the black experience or characters, which results in white theaters not seeing us or acknowledging us and our stories. Most black actors will look at a theater season and will immediately determine that that the theater won't even consider them. Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to explain a moment when you saw a theater season and said to yourself, yeah, no, that ain't for me.
6: Um, I'll go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: No, go ahead miles
6: well no I mean it I, I, I can I don't have enough I don't have enough fingers to count how many times that's happened um at multiple because because it, it's always happening and um it's it just goes along with like not having not having the guts to try to do something different not having the will to try to go out and find uh other B, bipoc actors and just staying in that comfortable kind of mindset of just this is what we do this is what we've always done this is how we're going to do it again and again and again and it, it's it's just like yeah it, it's it's such a common thing that i can't i i don't know how i could possibly pick a, a theater that not necessarily has not but but does often you know deviate from that um because a lot of theaters do do it pre. um the preseason kind of thing, but uh, yeah, just multiple times, and um, yeah,
7: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I was gonna say it's that's the story of our life. I mean, what theater doesn't have a, a roster, um, you know, in tune with with roles that we can identify with? Um, I have at at one particular theater I was a member. I've gone to the board at a board meeting and said, look, we just got through doing a successful Black show. Um, if you want to keep this, the demographic of members of, of diversity that that um, participated in this show, you need to put something on the roster consistently that they feel comfortable with coming out to audition. But unfortunately, for most of these shows, it's it's once and done. OK, oh, we did our part. We did a Black show. So I've, I've, you know, that's so our now diversity I'm gonna, point, I'm sorry, that's
0: our diversity point for the year.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, um, at a, one particular theater, I, I, I made the same pitch. Um, and this theater is in, um, um, Bloomfield Hills and no Birmingham. And, um, they had never done a black show now they approached me and asked me to direct this certain black musical review, all right, and in the production of it they they were very- co- cooperative, very helpful um one of the members was upset because um they couldn't audition for it because there was not a role for them and um you know, so I don't know why I was like,, <laughs> I don't know why you're telling me, you know this is what the show is." Anyway, I explained to them, look, if you wanna keep us and you wanna and you wanna continue to draw in this demographic, um, you you have to put something on the roster for for um for for black actors and actresses to come out and audition for. And um before the show was over, they had already laid out the next season and there was nothing black on it and hasn't been since. They haven't thought about doing anything else. And it goes right back to what Um, We were saying earlier, you know, a lot of these, you know, especially when you talk about communities like uh, Birmingham, Bloomfield Hills, you know, that's where there's a lot of generational wealth. And, you know, they go back, some of these theaters go back generations where, you know, they have built this theater up from the ground and they've done things in a certain traditional way um and they they've never done black shows that theater had never done a black show another theater i did and i've dealt with in bloomfield hills had never done a black show had never had a black director and um after that you know they went right back to business as usual okay we did it one time and okay so we're good
0: one thing that um oh go ahead sorry. dinah go ahead
2: dinah I was gonna say I think one of the bigger problems is they don't realize that the amount of work that it takes. I mean, they're willing to do the um, from what I've been told. They usually they want to put in uh, shows that will bring the families. You know, that family-friendly shows. We want to bring, want to bring them in, want to bring them in, but you know, if you have shows that are, you know, for people of color and black, that is a lot more work that they, that they kind of don't want to deal with, you know, and then you get somebody that will be, you know, to start complaining, well, there's no roles for us. Where are we, what are we doing? But it's like, well, wait a minute, most of your season has roles that aren't for us anyway, but you don't have a problem for that. But the one time, if you do it once, the one time that you can't audition for a role because it's mainly for people of color you lose every bit of your mind it's like okay yeah the uh, we don't have equality here the, the you know the scales are not balanced in favor but I don't know It just to me it's frustrating because most of the time it's the yeah they ain't looking for me it's 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 most of the time and it's just I don't know I, I just, sometimes, that's why I just end up just kind of plowing ahead because I figure, well, you know, you know, I'll 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 find a role and I'll go for it and I'll see if, you know, they can see me. And it happens sometimes. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes, you know, you know, it's a 50-50 shot. But most of the time, I'm just like...
0: I can't the, tell you um, how many times. I'm sorry, John.
3: <laughs> sorry, I just... Go ahead. It's the... The issue that I'm always looking at is when you have a a, a theater a company, they had a, a season of 15 shows and they have one show that has a focus on people of color. One show every couple of years, it starts feeling like we're in Hairspray and this is Negro Day. And you're just like, oh, oh, okay, we finally got our one. We got our one. And so every person of color in the world that has ever existed in theater comes out for that one show. And they're like, they finally got, they got a voice for us. And then that show usually ends up being very successful depending on where you're at. Um, And then you don't see it again for another couple of years. And it's like, okay, and we'll sprinkle it in. And we made you happy. And now you'll be subscribers for us. And now you'll be a part of our, it's like, "Mm, no we're not here for you that like we came to support but you can see the level of support Mm -hmm. that this Mm -hmm. has but going back to Diana's point it is a level of work that is required to actually dig into what it takes to get people of color as directors, as producers, as actors as stage managers, as, as the crew, like it takes a level of work that a lot of the companies are just not willing to do. It it is that moment of, I've got, we got our one. We've got our two. So we every every once in a while, we're gonna call up Jeff and be like, hey, wanna direct this one show? See, (laughs) we're there, we got one. Okay, hey Dan, we're looking for a black actor. Huh? Huh? (laughs) And if anybody asks, like, well, you guys don't seem to cast a whole lot. What do you mean? We just had this great show directed by Jeff starring Dan. It was amazing. That was uh we're good now, right? Everybody should now want to rock with us, right? And it's like that's that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for equity. <laughs> like there's a difference between equality and equity. I don't want equality. I want equity, and that requires a lot more work. Sorry, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. Um, I think that this might might come as a shock to a lot of people, but um, particularly particularly white people. Um, black people like theater too. A
7: they lot. sure do. They should a lot. Wait, what? <laughs> black people like theater
4: a lot are, are you okay wait a minute are you talking about theater like the the thing on the stage with the... theater
0: the the one that ends with re hey.
7: <laughs> <laughs> i did a show where i it was up in birmingham and i was lucky enough to get the role that i really really wanted and i really really worked hard for it and it was great and good And there was also another young Black lady who I am still friends with to this day. And I remember us both getting cast, her and the ensemble and me in the other part, and just us sitting in the dressing room one day and being like, huh, I didn't even know that there was a possibility for two of us to be doing it. (laughs) I thought they were going to pick either you or me. And then that was going to be it. And to a further extent, when my parents, who love and adore me and come to support everything I do, came to saw it, were the only ones in the audience. So much so that my mom likes to joke and kiki and laugh all the time. And so her post about going to see the show was like, mm, I know my daughter's going to be great, but it really makes me feel uncomfortable being in just like the whitest room that's ever been. But it just for me and this other young lady who is a black performer, we just, we simply did not think that they were going to cast both of us. Mm -hmm. We just, we knew, we knew in our heart of hearts that it was going to be a me or you situation. So we kind of locked eyes. The audition was like, you good girl, you good. Mm -hmm. And we went on our merry way. Cause we just, we just knew. So so what do you, getting to these questions, what do you think
0: Uh, What do you think uh, theaters can do to ensure that black actors and other actors of color are welcomed in the audition? And how can theaters incorporate plays centered around black characters and the black experience? First
1: of all, um, oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. First of all, we need a seat at the table. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the thing. We don't have we never have a seat at the table. We're mm-hmm. n- we're not on mm-hmm. their boards. We're not on their boards of directors. We might be on the play reading committee, but we're not in the seat of power. We're not the president of the theater. So, when we're not when we don't have a seat at the table, the subject hardly ever comes up.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Um And in and... And while I am I am glad that some of these theaters have reached out to some Black actors and have made them a seat at the table on their board, y'all could have been did that. It shouldn't have had to take something like this with what's going on with George Floyd or the many people. I can't hear you, Jeffrey, your mic is on mute. Um, It shouldn't have taken something like this, such as Black Lives Matter, for theaters to actually say, you know what? We need a Black person on this table.
4: Mm -hmm. But again, but again, but again, what are we talking about? Are we talking about actual equity? Are we talking about actual inclusion? Are we talking about actually bringing our voices and our perspectives in? Or are you just looking for one of us to co-sign what you've already been doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because there's yeah. a difference between one and the other.
1: Well, I found out the hard way. I found out the hmm. hard way. You know, it's all good as long as you're on stage smiling and singing and dancing. But once you go in trying to make change, trying to make effective uh, systemic change, then there's a problem. Yeah,
0: because yep. because now, yeah. now most of these, most places, particularly when you have an, an egotistical AD or president, where they don't wanna listen to you, but they'll use you as a figurehead. They'll use you as a body. Or if you do have black actors that are on constant rotation at their theater, they won't listen to outside black voices that are saying, well, you know, I did a show with you once, but I've never been back because y'all are on some racist bull crap,
4: you know? Oh, but this is one of of my favorite... Okay, here's a secret. Um, explain a moment when you saw a theater season and said, "Yeah, they're not looking for me." Every single season,
5: Every at single theaters season. all
4: across the state. One of my favorite things to do is give their problem that they're trying to give to me back to them. Your season is not black actor friendly. Well, I am a friendly black actor. I'm showing up anyway. I'm auditioning anyway, and I'm going to remind you because I'm going to keep showing up. That the only reason that I am getting passed over for these parts as opposed to somebody else is ultimately due to how I look racially, not because I can't do the part, not because I don't try to be easy to work with, not because I'm not professional, not because I don't show up with lines memorized. It's literally just this. That's all. And when it comes to talking about those issues and when it comes to actually doing something about those issues. I absolutely agree with what Jeffrey was saying. Um, It can't just be picking the one show. It can't just be casting the three Black actors. We're talking about addressing a problem on multiple levels. Um, One of the things that I keep coming back to in terms of theater audiences is that art is powerful and art has the ability to transform minds and experiences, but it also has the power to condition minds. And if you condition audiences to see only one kind of thing and accept only one kind of thing or only one kind of perspective, then over time, that's the perspective that they're going to have and they're going to carry. So in some ways, this is a problem that creates itself you know, you condition audiences to only accept the one Black story a year or the one Latinx story a year, or you condition them to expect and to love one Black actor, but you exclude everyone else from the equation. Um, so I honestly think it has to do, you know, how can theaters incorporate plays centered around Black characters and the Black experience? well, incorporate the Black experience into your theater before you start talking about play selection.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You got to do, like how we as actors, we research roles. You got to go out there and research the plays. There is a rich amount of, you know, theater that incorporates the Black experience. But if you're only looking for that one well-known so you can say, oh, I did my, you know, I did my black experience show and then move on. That's not how any of this works. You have to put the work in once again to find the plays that, you know, that incorporate, um, you know, incorporate the experience and leave your, leave your audience and actors with something to think about and want more like don't you know if I'm it's it's kind of like being at you know you you go to a dinner and you're expecting to be fully fed and you get like this one piece of food right in the center and they're like isn't that great that's what you've been looking for and then as soon as you like okay you eat that and then you know you're still sitting there with an empty plate isn't that great we're gonna give you some more you know like years later and then they give you the same piece of food like wait a minute I just had this like three, you know, like, you know, a year ago, two years ago, what about this play or that play? And they have to be willing to listen. That's the big thing too. research, be willing to listen, and then put that into action to bring more people in, you know, to bring in people of color, to bring in you know, uh, to bring in Black actors. Go out, go travel, go to other places where you know the theater is and do your research. Do your research, bring that work back with you
0: and then put it into action. And honestly, if if theaters are really being smart, they would know that aside from doing popular Black musicals, like say if they did The Wiz and then they did In the Heights and then, you know when you do shows that have people of color in it those are those end up being not and not just shows about people of color with people of color but if you end up having shows with people of color in it those end up being the most profitable shows mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. and 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 I know that I, I just have a feeling because theaters do this all the time that a whole bunch of theaters are going to get next to normal and they're gonna have a black cast for it. But I would love, love, love to see an all black rendition of next to normal because that right there, that Mm -hmm. right there shows the black experience because it's a human experience. Y'all listening, make it it happen. Yep, because watch, watch, you'll see it next season. You gonna see for, for 2022, I'm sorry, for 21, 22, for next season, there's gonna be a whole bunch of theaters that's doing next to
7: normal and they all doing a black cast.
4: I mean, but will we, or will we just see 58 theaters trying to do Ragtime?
7: You don't need to do it again.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Because Ragtime has black people in it. Right, and and Ragtime is is the black
0: experience story. The only one, the only musical. Well, Well, don't get me started on Ragtime. (laughs) <laughs> I would like
1: to yeah, say so that in, you're inspiring
2: people with theater. If you're going to do theaters, if you're going to do uh, you know plays that that bring Black people, and you're going to inspire more people to want mm-hmm. to come out from young to old, you want to inspire people. You want to have that impact. So get yeah. out there and do
4: it. Yes.
0: <laughs> Anybody else that's have like anything it. to say before we move on? Okay. All right. So next up is publications and reviews on black actors work. When reviews come out, stop Dan. When reviews come out, anxiety rises. Some actors seek the validation of their work and some avoid reviews altogether. Unfortunately, reviewers still can't go past a black actor's skin color. Even if the show doesn't have any direct ties about race reviews will correlate a Black actor's performance with them being Black. So explain a moment when you experienced or you read something about a Black actor's performance based on their skin color. And how can entertainment news outlets do better when addressing Black actors and actors of color on their performances? Dan, you've got that itch that you need to scratch, and I know you do,
4: so please. Okay, 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 all right, fine. Are we going to talk about Negro Gate? Okay, yes, we're going to talk about Negro Gate. Um, So there was a show a few years back. It was a period show um, that featured a Black actor uh, in a supporting role. this particular Black actor is phenomenal. Um, I think a lot of people know this actor in the community. I think a lot of people love this actor in the community. Uh, I have gotten the opportunity to work with this actor personally. I think he is full stop, one of the best, one of the most professional, one of the most light up a room kind of actors that you'll ever have the opportunity to run into. I can't recommend him highly enough. Um, the review of the show came out, and in reading it, the particular line was that this particular actor was heartbreaking as the Negro.
7: I'm sorry. What
4: um, you heard yeah. what he said. Yes, this 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 actor was heartbreaking as the Negro. Um. And then went on additionally, uh, I believe one more time, to refer to uh, this actor as the Negro. In the first place, this particular character did have a name. Uh, The character's name was listed in the playbill. The character was addressed by the character's given name by several other characters in the show. And in fact, the only character in the show who referred to that character consistently as Negro was the character who eventually wound up, spoiler alert, killing that character at the end of act one, um, which is an entire other discussion that we can get into later. Reading that not only set me off, but I immediately went, God, how much does that have to hurt for that actor to put in all of this work and to know that they're already working on a period piece and to know that they're already going to be working on a period piece in which they are referred to by a name that is very racially fraught and loaded, and to know that they're going to be working on a piece that deals with racism inflicted on their character, to know that they're going to be dealing with a piece that culminates an act with the racially motivated murder of their character, and to be willing to show up and be professional and do all of that work and give the kind of performance that this actor gave, to have that entire experience boiled down to this person was heartbreaking as the Negro. Um, That to this day is something that (sighs) does not sit well with me. And thankfully, it didn't set well with people at the time. It shouldn't. Um, no, no, no. And there was, there was um, another local actor in the area, very highly respected local actor, who called the reviewer out um, and initially demanded that they retract the interview. Um, and then when they did not right away, publicly called out the publication and the reviewer for that kind of review. Um the thing that was difficult in the response by the publication was that the reviewer claimed that they were referring to the character in the manner in which other characters referred to that character, which in the first place again, the character had hear you, reason. Ryan? Um Just say hell no yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Well, see, again, in the, because in the first place, the character had a name. In the second place, as I think we've covered many times before, um, if a Black theater professional is telling you that something is a problem, and you are a white theater professional in any capacity, your response is not to go, well, this is how I meant it. This is how you should be seeing it. This is what it actually ba the response needs to be ah, I made a mistake, how can I fix it? Uh, Because again, to have any kind of other response privileges that white theater professional's feelings over the actual trauma of a black theater professional. Um, And you can extend that to this entire country. all lives matter or blue lives matter is privileging white feelings over black death. Period. Um, so I think just acknowledging it ha, ah, ah, in the first place, this is this, th- I, I apologize. I apologize to everyone out there. Peace and love. Um, it is frustrating to me to have to ask white theater professionals to please consider black experiences. I admit that is a bit personally frustrating Um, because on the other end it's just an expectation. Again, um, I think I said this previously, when I walk into a room as an actor I'm expecting white male heteronormative freedom because white male heterosexual actors or white male heterosexual theater professionals or white theater professionals in general already walk into the room with an expectation that their experiences aren't going to be discounted or that experiences aren't going to be explained back to them as somehow being problematic. Um, You know, oh, that was a long winded answer. Oh, but when you were talking about um,
0: white cis white cis hetero male ads, you you gotta also remember the the white cis uh, LGBT ads mm-hmm. as yep. well. Yep. yep. Because while they may be they may be part of the marginalized group of LGBT people, they can still be racist. It's unfortunate, actually, it's unacceptable. I'm dropping unfortunate, but it's unacceptable that you that you have this privilege as a white man and you're not acknowledging any type of black experience or any BIPOC experience, and you only want shows that are geared towards you specifically or something that's geared towards white people specifically and you don't even want to acknowledge any anyone else in your shows and when you do have a black body in your show disrespect ensues entirely and and it's hard to really even trust trust a theater after it, after horrendous experiences like that. You know, you would think that someone who is part of a marginalized group would respect another marginalized group, mm-hmm. but that doesn't happen, especially when you have the the, the privilege of being a white cis male. Mm-hmm. Anybody uh, else have
7: anything to say? I don't necessarily have a personal story but yesterday just like to piggyback off of what Dan was saying. I heard a story about Audra McDonald and when she was doing the like it was like the late 90s version of Annie. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen that that one mm-hmm. but that was one of my favorites growing up. And in this production she plays a, a character that's traditionally supposed to be played by a white lady. And I guess they had done their final cut of the movie and everything was great, but a reviewer or somebody came out and was like, well, certain parts of the country aren't really gonna be interested in seeing Victor Garber, who played Daddy Warbucks, proposing to Audrey McDonald, this African-American woman. And so they went back on a Saturday, mind you, which I guess in Hollywood is ridiculously expensive to do. And they had to reshoot the scene, so that it would not look like that uh, uh, Daddy Warbucks and Grace had this romantic entanglement. So they went back and they fixed it to make them look more like friends, and that is how the movie is cut now. I never knew that story. I heard it, uh, there's some uh, a Black lady conference that's on, up on YouTube right now, mm-hmm. but she went into detail about how these people made her, she said she felt very embarrassed, A, because I, th- I don't know if at the time, but I know now she's married to a white man. So all of that swimming around in her head. And then what this reviewer said, and then the fact that they actually spent ridiculous amounts of money to go back and reshoot the thing that was fine to begin with because of what a reviewer said.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead, Shardé. Um... So a personal experience, um, in college, I had the opportunity to, uh, to audition for a period piece um, and I got cast um, and it was the lead character um, that I got cast in, which was tra- traditionally played by a white female. Um, and even more so, it was an Irish period piece. So I, you know, I, I was called upon to have an Irish accent um, so we opened the show and, uh, someone came out to review the show and all they could talk about in the review is how it was so weird that this black girl had an Irish accent and how like unnerving that was. Um, and, but they're like, she was really good at it. But just as they gave me a compliment, they were like, but well, she was too good at doing the Irish accent. And I couldn't understand what she was saying the entire time. Now, well, it was incredibly um, difficult for me because I had put in so much work. I was doing three hours of Irish accent practicing a day. And we had maybe a month to put up this show. So I literally, I worked my butt off. And to hear that's all they got from the entire show was that it was so weird and it was off-putting and how it was so strange was just, it was very disheartening for me. Um, but to, but to turn it all around, um, because where we did the show, we weren't in our home location, we, we performed in another location. So we had, um, more people had access to come and see it. And it just so happened that there was an Irish couple from Ireland that happened to be in town that happened to come and see this show. And, um, at the end of the show, they came to talk to me and they're like, what part of Ireland are you from? And I was like, "Oh, I'm not!" And they were blown away that they're like this American black girl had such a great accent. And they're like, "No, we understood everything you were saying. It was a complete delight. Like this was fate that we happened to be in Michigan at this time to see this." And uh, so that's the that's the flip side, the awesome side to the story. But it was it was very difficult listening to this reviewer completely. Bring up the color of my skin repeatedly, and how strange and weird it was for me to be in this period Irish piece.
0: Real quick, that same reviewer told me that she knew I had French in me because of the arch in my eyebrows.
5: Yes, it is that reviewer. We all we all know we all know who this person is. Except there are Black Irish. I don't it, understand how that how exactly. that is so off putting.
2: Exactly, there are Black Irish. I mean and i believe that she was just, she had to find something negative to say so oh well you know she was good but not too good cuz
5: i couldn't understand it All right and i am oh, actually yeah, i, I have, yeah i actually have irish heritage in me so you know there are black irish people in the world like that exists
0: <laughs> it was too hard for her mm-hmm. to comprehend that because she couldn't expand her scope of uh understanding that during the transatlantic sl- slave trade that black people actually was sent to Ireland, Kel surprise. Yeah. Shocker. Yes, so let's move on. Pasty to lessons, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on uh, to our final three topics and they kind of blend into each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're, they're on a much positive side because now we're going to be talking about our experiences as black actors with other aspects with, uh, of black theater. And uh, so the first one is finally working with an all black cast. For a Black actor, there's nothing more invigorating than working with an all-Black cast. The energy is entirely different, but happens too infrequently. Uh, so tell me a moment when you finally worked with an all-Black cast. Uh, I'll go I'll first. Oh, go ahead, Ryan, go ahead.
7: Okay. I was gonna say, cause Jeff and I were both in this certain production and it was, my first and my last. Mm. But <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was something. I loved it, but the thing oh, that <laughs> really got me was our director was a black man, but this was not how it was originally supposed to be. Mm.
1: Okay, uh, wait, 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 Ryan. Let me jump in first. No let names. Let me jump in no first since we're talking no about no, no names. names. No names. <laughs> no names no okay. name I was originally um well at this particular theater you have to you have to if you want to direct a show you have to do a presentation to the board and I was one of the three people who did it who who um, pr- did yeah, a presentation okay so two of us were black and one was white okay um, the other Black person was 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 not in the running at the end of the three presentations. Now, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I know mine, my presentation rocked because I had PowerPoint presentations. I had a budget. I had it. Talk your
0: stuff. Talk your stuff. Okay. Go ahead.
1: Now, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, they gave it to the white director. I'm like, OK. Um, after, they, after everybody was cast, and then I ended up getting cast as, as one of the principal roles. So about two, three weeks into rehearsals, the, the white director had a quote-unquote mental crisis and dropped out. Now, they didn't come and search me out and say, okay, well, since you were close second, you know, why don't you want to take over as director? Nope, they gave it to the assistant director, who happened to be Black okay okay go ahead Ryan
7: it informs so much because I didn't know that backstory at all oh yeah
1: oh there's some other stuff you (laughs) don't know
7: like I don't know that so Mm -hmm. it's just just puzzling to me because even this comes again this is the same theater was trying to do another very black show but Mm -hmm. had a white director in mind what is Mm -hmm. that why are you trying to voice your opinions over our stories when clearly, like mm-hmm. Jeff just said, you have uh, people chomping at the bit who are people of color who are trying to direct these shows? I mm-hmm. just in my little mind that no, no black directors were going out for these things. But if that's clearly not the case, and I enjoyed working on this sh- show that we're talking about, and it was mm-hmm. a great. I I'm did so too. Glad. I'm so glad that I had that because I had never had a full black cast before. Like I've just the way that I've grown up, I've always been the one girl. <laughs> like, oh, Ryan's the black girl over here. We can go ask her to riff and belt and whatever. So this experience was very uh an incredible experience to have, but also there was just so much background stuff that microaggression. Happened. Yes, that it was it, it, that it was bananas. Or the, like, oh. to me, everything should have been by Black people for Black people. I love the person who did the hair, but how in the world are, are you gonna do a fully loaded Black show dealing with Black hair set in the 60s and not have a person of color doing
0: mm-hmm,
5: that? Mm-hmm, like, you not know anything mm-hmm.
7: about how to do my hair.
5: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Not just a, a but- person of color doing the hair, but, if you have a black cast, you need to have a black hairdresser. Period.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Period. Well, so let me let, let me t- jump in and, and tell this story, Ryan. I don't know if you were gonna tell it or not, but it's been burning a hole in me. I got I gotta get this one out.
5: oh so let it out. We, let were, it out.
1: <laughs> we were in, I think we were right in dress, re- we were about to go into dress rehearsal. So we had we had a full run of the show that night and um um, it was at the end of the rehearsal, and they were given notes. So the costume, um, yeah, the costume person came up, and she said, "So, um, so listen, I want to remind all of you, all of the guys, all the guys in the class, I want you, in, in the cast, I want you to remember, um, bring black socks that you can wear with your costume." And then she laughed. She said, <laughs> "Well." I guess you don't really have to since you're already Black. You don't really need Black socks. I and
0: remember so, that. I remember and that. So, Stop. Wait yep, a minute.
6: So,
1: so everybody minute. was like so so listen listen so I, I'm like you know this is the expression on my face like what did she just say and so because most of the cast they were new and they were you know they were most of them were like Ryan's age you know they were young 20-somethings they were new And so it was a lot of nervous laughter, like, (laughs) and I'm like, she didn't just say what I think she just said, and then you know she went on to say what she had to say, and I'm waiting for somebody, you know, like the director or um, one of the producers. I'm waiting for somebody to say, you know, look, you know, that was a that joke was in bad taste. We we apologize. She shouldn't have said that. I'm waiting for somebody to clean this up, right? And so it never happened. So afterwards, you know, some of us are talking like, "Dang, we don't need black socks." And I went straight home. Now I'm the oldest one in the cast. I was, I was, I was one of the principal players, but I'm the oldest one in the in the cast. I'm, you know, and I'm a member at the theater. Most of them were new. I went straight home, started writing emails, started making phone calls, mm. and long story short, you know. Oh, we'll deal with it later on. oh I'm sure that's not what she meant it was it was it it was dusted down it was it was they tried to muffle it and it's
7: always that thing of like oh, I couldn't have possibly meant this yeah oh, and you said it
1: and then this same person, so you know we had to kind of let that go and and muscle through so now we're we're running the show, and this one one particular evening, i I came down and asked about um a shirt because she said that the, the costume person said that she was going to bring shirts and something like that. Anyway, it had to do with the shirt. And I said, um, do you have the shirts that we're supposed to wear? Because um, I brought one from home. And she says, you know, oh, well, we'll get to it. She, she said, she said, we'll get to it. But, um, you know, don't don't be so bitchy about it. And that was that was the straw that broke the camel's back. We almost didn't have a show that night because they had to take me outside and calm me down i and it doesn't it takes a lot to get me going but that was the, that was it i couldn't take anymore
0: that would mess and anybody up
1: it was it, yeah. it, it you know it, and it was like you said it was like these little microaggressions that were totally mm-hmm. unnecessary and you know i don't talk that i don't call people that i don't call people bitch. i don't say that to anybody right. Especially, it's especially in a diverse setting like that. I would never say that to anybody.
0: So then, period. Let, so then, let's let's go on to the, the other two topics, and I'll just blend those two together. Mm-hmm. Um, explain a moment when you finally got the chance to work with a black director, and the moment that you got the chance to work on a black script by a black playwright i'll go first because i've been wanting to talk about this (laughs) and i'm speaking about this in a positive light so i have no problem expressing how i feel in regards to this show my first professional show who will sing for lena was such a pivotal show for me i love that show entirely because first of all it was a show where I got where I got the chance to really flex my acting ability. It was a one woman show and I had to perform 15 different voices. And not only that, but because of the depth of the show and the, the, the traumatic events in the show, I had to reenact a rape. Mm. And I had to um, sit in an electric chair and be electrocuted. But being able to perform that show five weekends uh five weekends for the for the duration of the show was one of the best experiences that I could have ever asked for in my entire acting career. And my director Cassandra Freeman, she I, it, I, I can't even begin to thank her enough to this day and this this was three years ago. I can't begin to thank her enough for giving me that opportunity to tell a Black story uh, with me in my all as as a Black woman. Thankfully I didn't have to wear no makeup so I was really proud about that. Um, but I was just really glad that I could tell that story and to really just to put my foot in it as as best as I possibly could. And if it wasn't for a director like her giving me the different nuances of what I needed to be aware of throughout that entire show, I would have never been able to execute that show the way that I did. And I still think that I have a lot more work to do on that show if I ever had the opportunity. But yeah, that was that was definitely a, a heartwarming experience. And then just recently I was in um, Ain't Misbehaving, and having an all-Black cast was just something that I, I would never trade that energy for anything in the world. It was the first time that I actually did get the chance to be in an all-black cast. And the energy between that versus other white casts that I've been in is completely different. It's, it's a complete game changer. And those two experiences I will
4: never trade for anything else in the world. Okay. Um. I've, I've got two experiences of this. Um, okay, these are, these are positive, these are positive. So I, I will name specific names with these. Apologies, I know we weren't supposed to do it. I'm gonna say it anyways. Uh, the first one, Firepower at Detroit Repertory Theater directed by Lynch Travis, starring David Glover, Cassandra Freeman, Jennifer Cole, Will Bryson, Jonathan West, and myself a play written by Kermit Frazier, a black playwright. Um, That show meant so much to me. Uh, In the first place, history on every level. It was a play about history. It was a play set in a historical time. Uh, At the time that I was working on that show, and I remain so, I remain so. um, I was the new kid in that group of theater professionals. I was literally in a room with people who combined had well over a century of experience, Um, and what I learned being a part of that process and what I learned about being an actor and about being a Black actor and a Black theater professional um, and getting the chance to tell a story about our experiences and different kinds of our experiences. Um, My particular character was a graphic artist from Chicago who was trying to convince his boyfriend to come out to his dad. Um, That is a Black experience that many people have, but you don't get to see it as frequently on a stage. Um, So getting a chance to tell Black stories and a wide range of Black stories um, meant so much. to me personally, I found it so rewarding, I found it so fulfilling, I found it so uplifting, um, not only in terms of who I am as a professional or try to be professional, um, but also as a person. The second one happens to involve two people on this panel today. Uh, It was a production of Kill Move Paradise by James Imes, black playwright that was done at Theater Nova. Uh, And this production starred, oh, He knows I'm talking about him, so he went away. Uh, Jonathan Jones, uh, Des Walker, and Miles Bond. Uh, The four of us played young Black men um, who discovered that they had become victims of police violence. It was the hardest show physically I've ever done. It was the hardest show emotionally I've ever done. But again, getting the chance to tell a story that centered our experiences and our perspectives and our pain and our terror and our joy and our ability to create even in the darkest of circumstances and our ability to find hope even at the most desperate of times. Um, They saved my life on that show. They all know that. Um, I think the world of all of them. Yes, you, Jonathan Jones.
0: Anybody um anybody else want to say anything? Uh, uh, I'll put
5: mm-hmm. go ahead, Shani. Okay. Oh. Um, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be that person um, after these two really great positives. Um, I have just had a moment of revelation that I've never worked with a black director before. Hmm. I've done over a hundred shows in my life and I've never had a black director before. It was hard for me. I actually had to think, I thought of this one at the last minute. I'd never been a part of all black cast before. So, I mean, I I thought of one I did a couple years ago at at Box Fest with me and another person, but that's the only all black cast I've ever had. And I've never done a show by a black playwright. Like that, that was just a moment of realization I just had, and I, I even brought out my resume and my everything, and I'm like, I've never worked with a black director before
1: well, as a black director can I, let me let me say something from my perspective um i've I've gone into a couple of theaters and done their very first black show, three theaters as a matter of fact um so you know i was able to help those three theaters make history um but my first experience was with an august an august wilson play and as a black director um one of the things i found most disheartening was the fact that um see i'm when i'm slated to direct a show i see everything i don't just focus on the acting and the blocking i know how i want the blocking, I know what I, how I want my set design, I know what I want the costumes to look like, all the way down to the little bow on your shoe. I know what I want it to look like, the whole thing. But what I found disheartening was the fact that I was always second guessed. Well, why do you need that? Well, why do you need the stairs over here? Well, this is too much furniture. This is too fancy. They're supposed to be poor. I know what I wanted to, how are you going to tell me how a black family is supposed to be poor, just because it's the—I the, understand that it's supposed to be during the Depression, but I know I'm—I have the artistic uh, say so. I'm—I'm I'm the one who says, as a director, what it's supposed to look like. I know mm-hmm. what it's supposed to look mm-hmm. like, but I was always second-guessed. Oh, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not in the budget, you know. And—and and that was the most frustrating thing for me as a black director trying to, you know, do something new in this white theater. It, it, and it, if it wasn't that, it was something if they weren't questioning my my um, my, my artistic ability or my artistic concept, then it was something At one one show they asked me to direct. Um, they had everything in place because you go in these theaters, you, you know, you don't really know people. And it's hard to get people to help you. So they didn't have one show. They didn't have anybody to do sound. I'm not a sound person, but I had to jump in and do it and learn it. Wow. Because we didn't have a sound person. Mm. And, yeah. you know, some nights the the sound was pretty whack. And I told him, Look, I'm not a sound person. You need to get somebody in here. So it's it's, you know, it it and it goes on from there. But it's very frustrating. A black director, um, it it's it's a very frustrating world to live in. I can um, imagine. Yeah,
5: that.
0: Especially when when you were when you were talking about, you were constantly 2nd guess Like if you've been doing this for a while, you know exactly what you want. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. Sure. You know.
0: Sure. Um. So just real quick, um, real quick because our time is running short. Uh, what what do you guys think are the necessary steps white theaters need to take to have one or all of these different elements in their season?
4: Hmm. Well, I think I at think- this point, you're talking about a way forward. Um, oh, sorry, Jeffrey. But um, I, I think you're talking about what can theaters around here do to actually begin the process of change
5: mm-hmm.
4: um and i think you're talking about how to get this change to happen on multiple levels mm-hmm. um, because i think we're talking about something that needs to be addressed on multiple levels going back to what jeffrey said earlier uh, i think it's absolutely important that theaters do the work of reaching out to people in the community and with engaging them not just expecting you know because you tend to hear that sometimes like this idea that you know our door is always open, okay, cool. Um, And you say that, but then we walk into these places and we can tell that you're not really trying to engage black people or indigenous people or people of color in terms of your play selection or in terms of how you cast or in terms of the people that you pick to direct or in terms of the people that you pick as designers um, or in terms of the people that you hire, you know in terms of the apprentices that you might choose to have, in terms of the front of house staff that you have, you're, you're not actually trying to engage us on any level. So do the work of engaging us, you know, for a start. Uh, and then once you bring us in, like, listen to us, you know, because like Jeffrey said, we, we have experience. We, we have experience, we all love theater we all love and cherish this as an art form. We all mm-hmm. want to contribute, and we all want to contribute to this idea that theater is for everybody. You
1: know. I think one one of the things we're probably going to have to contend with in the in the next season is, you know, from all these theaters is just, you know, the apology tour. You know, oh, we want to include you, and you know, yeah. oh, you matter, and you know, oh, it's just horrible. What happened? But I think once the novelty wears off,
4: I'm be afraid back we'll we'll, we'll
1: be yeah, right back, be back to back. where we started. Oh
4: no 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 no, no 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 no. Um, at least on my particular end, uh, no, we we will not be back on our particular stuff. Um, we're we're moving forward on this this isn't just a one-time thing, this is an ongoing thing. Part of the process of transformative change is that it is transformative and that it is ongoing and that this is not something that, the issues that we are talking about, um, the lack of representation, the privileging of whiteness, the expectation that we should be grateful for what we're given and the conditions in which how we receive it. That we should be grateful for that, that we should be grateful to put up with racism, we should be grateful to put up with marginalization, we should be grateful to put up with erasure and dehumanization. Um, that is not going to be fixed by five theaters deciding to do Ain't Misbehaving" next season. Um, no. this, is, this is ongoing. And, or ragtime. Right, or ragtime. Bless you Audra, we, we're, we're past it uh ryan
7: did that show so we're not picking on you ryan <laughs> oh we'll have an entirely different conversation about that at a later date but yeah,
4: mm-hmm. yeah. okay yeah you know but well, but they but have an original have
2: an original play um play festival for for black you know for black uh theater writers If you want to do that, you know, reach out and, you know, get some original Black theater and then you can have, you know, casting for Black actors. Reach out and do, you know, reach out and get them in. That's how you can do it. And real quick, just saying, um, shout out to Angie Mitchell for Women in the Workplace. That was all Black cast for me, women, and um, Black and Brown Theater, directed by Emilio uh, Rodriguez, uh, Cloud Sprinter. I was able to play Mother Cloud, so. Yay, thanks
0: guys. One thing that I will say, and, and, and I love that Jeffrey touched on this, is that like like I said before, I've already started seeing some of the performative allyship and I'm not here for it at all. Um, because it, like, I've, like I've told somebody else that performative allyship is multifaceted. Uh, it's an unacceptable, uh, behavior by these different theaters, where you put up your black block on your Instagram or s- social media pages, uh-huh. and say yes, Black Lives Matter, absolutely, uh-huh. but uh-huh. but then uh-huh. you don't do anything to actually uh-huh. progress from it, uh-huh. you know. And then especially, it 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 definitely irritates me when when theaters are using black bodies for their profitable gain, and then they don't say anything for weeks upon end or say anything at all. Because how 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 does that even equate? You're using Black people in your shows to profit for your theater, mm-hmm. and then you don't say anything in regards to Black Lives Matter, or you wait a really long time before you say anything, or you only deal with the handful Or the half of a handful of Black people that rotate in your theater, but you don't want to hear outside Black voices. Mm I have a real problem with that. Because all our voices. Exactly. Go ahead. All our voices matter. Whether if we've performed in your theater once or a thousand times, all of our voices matter. And you have to respect that. And if you create, different racist excuses of not allowing other voices to speak, then you're a performative ally. And I'm I, not here for it. Well, I think, think
6: not speaking up about it also as well, just staying silent is also the biggest problem too. Not even necessarily like sideswiping the topic, but just like avoiding it completely. Well, avoiding it completely and just like at this point, action would definitely speak louder than words at this point. You know, it's it's one thing to talk about it. You know, there's one thing to actually go and do something about it as well. Um, and the inactivity just speaks a lot more. And the not seeing this kind of stuff being changed speaks a lot more than what you're posting somewhere. You know, I want to actually see people who look like me on you know backstage on the board on stage mm-hmm. of course but like mm-hmm. mostly the people who are like picking these shows and doing that mm-hmm. i want to see more of that intertwined as well you well. did the like, table yeah exactly and it's like unless that happens there's like no real attempt at inclusion for our voices and our talents and all that stuff it has to go it has to go back into uh, breaking down what we systematically know and are adjusted to, breaking that down completely and just building up from that. That's, that's what I really want to see.
1: Here's, here's the lamest thing that, that ever, that I've, I've, I've experienced since this whole thing with George Floyd. Right after that, about two weeks after George Floyd was killed, um, one of the theaters that I mentioned, um, reached out to the cast of Ain't Misbehaving. that was a show that, their only Black show that they did, and asked us, uh, asked the cast, if they would all go on, you know, this type of format, and sing, um, We Shall Overcome. And everybody was like, you know, we kind of looked at the post like, what? We Shall Overcome? You want us to sing, We Shall Overcome. How is that supposed to make us feel better? We shall overcome. It's not supposed
0: to make them feel better.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we were so insulted. We were Mm -hmm. so insulted.
7: Rightfully so. Rightfully Uh, so. Go ahead, Ryan. We've all been getting messages from people who you haven't worked with in Mm -hmm. eons and eons, but somehow. Out of the blue, these white people that I've performed with are suddenly asking me if I'm okay uh-huh. or do I need anything. And to me, if I'm close with you and I'm and we're good and we're good good girlfriends or whatever, fine, ask away. Like there have been a couple who have been like actually close to me, but if you're just coming out of the woodwork like right now and I haven't talked uh-huh. to you in three years,
4: uh-huh.
7: what are you doing? Go right. Go- It's just,
6: it's always (laughs) about reaching a quota for most people. And that's so irritating. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, not just like some number or some just group of person. I'm an actual person and that, you know, and like for you to treat me like that is horrible. While I do want to touch on Ryan's other point ends by saying it has meant you know it has meant something that the friends that I'm actually close to and talk to have reached out it has Mm -hmm. um but it's just as going as far as like what can I do to be better what can I do yada yada it's just like I'm not supposed to be here to be that person for you I'm not supposed to answer all these questions I'm not that one black person you know that can do that you know you have to like google it you have to learn how to you know do it yourself and and while the sentiment is you know nice and somewhat appreciated it's a little as well insensitive
4: I mean, we were happy to learn Shakespeare. So, you know, y'all can be happy to learn Susan Laurie Park. Girl. Uh, period. <laughs> period.
0: So let me just go ahead and read uh, our closing statement. And that's uh, on theater moving forward. So today and two weeks ago, the Q&A, and next week is the second part of the Q&A. All of this has been hard. All of this has been hard to talk about, but it's extremely Uh, an extremely necessary conversation. So now it's up to the white theaters, the ADs, presidents, directors, boards to take the necessary steps to be more inclusive, to go above and beyond in creating more diversity and to make their theater a more equitable place to work. One thing that I definitely wanna stress on in the professional and community theater world is that you do not Under any circumstances, expect your black actors or any other black theater professionals to look for other black actors or theater professionals for you. That is not our job. Do not expect that of us. If you are an AD, if you are a director, that is your job if you're trying to look for more black actors or POC actors for your show. That's your job. This is not a, if you build it, they will come situation. And that's it. (laughs) I mean, it's it's just as simple as that. Recruitment is the job of the director and governor, the director of the show and the AD. If you're trying to find those people, you need to go where the people are and promote the show that way. Mm -hmm. As white theaters begin to make these changes, there will be a drop in your white audiences. So expect that. It's unavoidable. However,
4: again, which white audiences, the racist white audience
0: members, however, you will gain more audience members of color and this will take time. It's not going to happen overnight. So keep in mind that the the six theaters that I mentioned in the first week uh, that are black owned or POC centered, please, by all means, go support them. Please donate to them. This is not a way, this whole thing of us talking about it, it's not a way of pulling away from their theaters so that way all other Black actors can perform in these white theaters. That's not the case. So please, by all means, still support those theaters. But just, but as we, as there are only six, we have to be accepted everywhere, everywhere. And me, my panelists, we're not going to take this lying down where we're just going to accept anything. This is our battle cry. I remember reading a um, a quote from Shirley Chisholm. If they won't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. This platform right here is my folding chair because you're not gonna make a seat for me.
4: Mm-mm. So I've
0: got my own chair.
4: Mm-mm.
0: Does anybody else have anything to say now that I'm off my soapbox? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just been an, an amazing I hate I missed the first one. This is this has just been amazing. You know, I've had um, I had a lot inside of me that I needed to get out. And, you know, aside from going to therapy, this was just the perfect platform for me to do that. I'm and, so um, I appreciate this so much, but you've trotted a path here, you know we gotta we have to keep going, yes, you know this can't be the end of it you know we there's there's a lot more we need to discuss there's a lot of a lot of other topics that we need mm-hmm. um to talk about, and so this is the perfect time. you know the climate is right and
5: for I something
0: like even, this. I can't even begin to express. My wholehearted thanks to all of you, my other panelists that were on the week before, um, and everyone else that has supported us in in these uh, live episodes. It's it's definitely an overwhelming feeling, and I appreciate it from the absolute bottom of my heart. Again, this is not just to be trending. This is to be an ongoing uh, creation for all of your BIPOC performing artists. Does anybody have any closing things that they would like to say? No? All right. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry,
6: no. I mean, just that. I mean, it uh, to be said as well. This isn't just a, a learning process for any white people out there. This is also a learning process for the uh, the the VIP of season in the chat or in whoever whoever's whoever's watching this. You know, I mean, it's all about yeah. learning to advocate for yourself yeah. as well, and it's all about you know just having the sensitivity to accept feedback. So that's mm-hmm. what this has really been for me. And yeah, just thanks. It's it's been amazing.
0: Yeah so i know it's we ran a little bit longer than what we wanted to that's okay <laughs> that's trying okay trying to cut this at two hours but i mean
6: it's we a got lot stuff to we say gotta,
0: yeah we got stuff we want to say mm-hmm. and we appreciate we those have, who are listening we, have we time,
1: can't go anywhere anyway so okay right
4: <laughs> dan did you want to say anything no i was just gonna say um One, performative allyship in the absence of actual actionable and transformative change is nothing but a cynical attempt at appeasement to maintain the status quo. Two, yes, absolutely. Uh, Advocacy for all of us, but also advocacy together. Um, We may have different particulars, but when it comes to theater, black people, indigenous people, people of color, Latinx people, um, LGBTQIA artists, all of us, are facing the same struggle in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, we have been talking about black theater because black theater needs to be talked about. And we have been talking about our experiences as black actors because we as black actors need to be talking about these experiences. Um, But theater needs a transformative change on all fronts for everybody. Um, And I guess finally, thank all of you. Um, Thank anyone who's been listening. Uh, thank you, Ashley, for providing this spectacular platform for yes. all of us. Um, I love y'all. Love you guys. I really appreciate
0: this. Thank you again for watching. I, 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 you get mega stars for sitting through us for two and a half hours. <laughs> 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 but um, yes. If you if you want to watch the first part, the first part is available on the Black and Facebook page. Um, if you if 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 you do find it in your heart, please donate to the six Black-owned and POC-centered theaters that I mentioned in the first one. Um, if you feel extra generous, um, you can <laughs> donate to the Black and Organization. My um, my uh, Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal information is in the descriptor. Um, Thank you again for watching. My name is Ashley M. Lyle. Thank you to our panelists. And we will see you guys next week for the Q and A part two. Bye.